0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marine Corps Movie Minute, where we're breaking down movies of the Marine Corps one minute at a time. Today, we're doing minute number 115. I'm Jack. I'm Brian. And uh, we got guests. So, uh, hey, guys, please introduce yourself.
1: All right. I'll go ahead and uh, jump in first. Alan Sanders with The Wilder Ride. Thanks for the invite. We've been chatting all year long. Something kind of happened in the middle of the year that screwed up everyone's schedule. Can't put my finger on it, but glad to finally be here.
2: Yeah. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, some kind of possibly not really as bad as it was told to us <laughs> disease that was going around. But I like what my, you're my, my my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm also from the Wilder Ride. I'm Walt Murray, the co host. And uh yeah, I I love this movie and I've been listening to you guys um here and there for the last couple months. So I'm really excited to be on tonight.
3: Yeah, we're happy to have both of you here for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And yeah, I only listen to us every once in a while too, so
3: Yeah. I know how it goes. (laughs) He lives it. He can only put up with us for so long, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I even get sick of myself. I'm just going
0: to go put myself in the corner for a little while.
2: (laughs) Well, we, we had a podcasting husband and wife that do a podcast together on our show a couple weeks ago. And the wife said, I've never listened to any of our shows. <laughs> <laughs> so a, r- a rousing endorsement, I guess.
3: Yeah. it's <laughs> oh, a bold strategy. I hope it pays off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Well, uh, Minute
0: 115 starts with Corporal Jones to the rescue, and it ends with Gunny going to go do some heroic shit.
3: <laughs> um, Stitch. He, oh hey, well, you know, guys. Actually, before we dive into the minute, because I just like I, I just love this minute so much, I was going to dive right in. We were talking a little bit offline, but what's what's your guys' history with with this movie, Heartbreak Ridge? I know you guys are Clint Eastwood fans, so like, what's you know, where does this rank in your Eastwood best of movies? Is is it up Pantheon there? Pantheon of
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Eastwood. Uh, well, for me, I saw this in the theater the day it came out.
3: Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> i know i'm old. <laughs> be a fan hey, Walt. You know, welcome but, uh, i hope you are your at hall we don't yeah. want you falling asleep <laughs> yeah well i'm all hopped up on on uh on too much coffee right now so i'll be asleep in about 10 minutes so i gotta get it all out right now <laughs> well me and my brother had always been eastwood fans i mean we would go see every which way but loose and you know all Excellent those movies movie. and oh yeah, crazy, crazy monkey movie. Movie, yeah. movie yeah great movie yeah, and and so anytime an Eastwood movie came out, we were like, "Yeah, we got to go." So we went opening night. It was a Friday night, and it was packed. I mean, packed full of former military guys, probably some uh, current military folks. And not only did we just absolutely love the movie, it was a raucous crowd. <laughs> they <laughs> were into it. They were yelling and screaming. You know, you were getting all the Marine Corps stuff. So. We really had a blast. I I can't tell you how many times over the years I've watched this movie. I've got parts of the dialogue memorized. I I can sit down and I know exactly what's coming every single time. So I absolutely love this movie. This is probably in my top five, It's definitely my top five Eastwood movies. Oh, right on. Awesome.
1: Now I'm going to go, uh, as, as is usually the case between me and Walt, I'm a little different. I probably put it in the upper third of his movies because Let's face it. He's got a huge body of work Ooh. and some of his Westerns just alone are going to be in the top two or three spots for me, because I think that's just where I became a Clint Eastwood fan. The whole man with no name, oh, a yeah. Josie Wales, then turning around and doing Pale Rider. And then to me, the masterpiece Unforgiven. Yeah. So those are hard to supplant out of the top five for me, but easily probably in the top 20. Of his movies, which is, you know, he's got a ton of flicks under his body of work. He's got, what, close to 50 movies that he's, that he's been in. Um, I just where where liked do you it put because, his Dirty Harry movies? Um, they're scattered because, you know, some of them are better than others. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like Definitely. Deadpool, I think, is the worst one, but it was the most recent one, right? Right. And the first one, no one had ever seen anything like that before. So it was so like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He can't, like, do anything, you know? He gets yeah. away with everything for me, I put this probably about like in in the top twenty, um it's it's a Hollywoodized version of a war movie, but it does everything I love in a badass kind of war movie character. It's sort of like, yeah, you took a hero and then wrapped him in not only just Hollywood, but the American flag and just it made it even better and shinier. Um, I don't know if it was realistic in places. I don't think the guys would have acted the way they did. I don't know. I don't know any of the Marines who would still be alive if they acted the way they did when he first showed up. Right. But I get from a Hollywood perspective why they did it. And it makes their transition for when they finally go to Grenada, which is where we are here, so much more of an impact. So I, I get it from the Hollywood storytelling side. I think he's just got stronger other movies, but it's certainly a very, very good flick.
0: Absolutely.
3: This is one of my favorites, obviously, and I, I, I've, I've said on this show before, if it wasn't for this movie, I may have not joined the, the Marine Corps. I, it wasn't the sole reason by any stretch of the imagination, but it had such a big influence on me that I'm like, so I, obviously it's a special place in my heart, uh, you know, versus some of, the, some of the other movies, but I wouldn't say it's the best either. But it's definitely, I'd say top, top 10, maybe even top five for me. But he's got, like you said, he's got so many good stuff. The thing is, the movie itself, to me, is a okay movie. If you had a different actor, yeah. in place of Gunny Highway, uh, I agree, or of Clint Eastwood playing it, but it's he is a character of his own. Like I would put Gunny Highway, Clint Eastwood, Gunny Highway up there as is, is like an iconic character. He makes this movie. I mean, yeah, Stitch I is great, yeah, Stitch is great, and all this, you know, and and the story is good, but with a different actor or a different character, it wouldn't be the same movie. I don't think no.
1: totally agree. It, this movie is a Clint Eastwood vehicle. Everybody else uh, is set absolutely. dressing.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and Mario van Peebles, this is the only thing I can think of him being in. I, I can't, like he's not a, an actor oh. that stands out highlander, to me. Highlander.
3: Uh, well, he's got a highlander. Well, Highlander 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I mean go. like if you if you said name the movie season. Remember I which number? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's been in a few good movies, but yeah, there's this this is this is his most memorable role by far.
2: Yeah, he's Yeah. Go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, and I was just going to say when you look at the list of actors in the movie, it's like Clint Eastwood and then like all these other people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, the... like you know, you know Marsha Mason's name, you know Mario Van Peebles, but there are no other A-listers in this movie, and, uh, and so you're you're right, Alan. It is definitely a, a Clint Eastwood
3: movie. It like most of these people that he, you know, in this movie were like either unknown guys. You know, a lot of recon were kind of like in the business, but they weren't like known. But they were um, a lot of the like all the other background characters are all like they were TV actors mostly. Half to the, the imdb of everybody we looked at has been on every tv show in the 70s and 80s <laughs> oh, you know? yeah no doubt no doubt mario van peebles to me i'm always amazed that he wasn't like a breakout star or a bigger like he's a name and he's been in like uh one of the, what was the new jack city wasn't he in yeah. that yeah yep. he was and and he you know when he had it like he had a posse i think it was like a western but he never really caught on as like a a, a big thing. And and I'm always surprised because he's easily the number two guy in this movie and he's great, (laughs) at least in this movie, I think. Yeah, oh, I I think he is great in this.
1: Well, what he does with his character, and I know we're kind of just riffing on just in general kind of level setting before we jump in, but I always thought he was the one character who took a stock two-dimensionally written role and still found a way to make it his own. Yes. Yeah, he's very interesting.
3: Yeah. Well, and we found out, just through research and thankfully uh Pete Koch gave us a lot of background information. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, Pete Koch. A lot of the stuff that, that kind of happens in this movie, like all the songs that Mario that Stitch Jones sings, Mario Van Peebles wrote them. He is not a guitar player by any means. He kind of lied about knowing how to play the guitar and it kind of shows. But he he wrote a song and he said, Hey, uh Clint, I wrote this song. Do you wanna do you wanna put it in? And he said, Yeah. You know, so stuff like that. Um he's He's worn some sh- t-shirts that I-, I wish I could get to the bottom of if he just made it himself that were references to a movie his dad did and that he starred in as a, as a little kid. Well, he didn't star in it. He appeared in it as a little kid. And just a lot of the character, he even, he even, um, Pikachu gets into it when he was on with us that said the shot when when Sweet first shows up and goes to attack Gunny. And you you see him. Uh, the camera starts at the, his feet and pans all the way up, and he just looks like a monster. That was Stitch Jones's idea. I mean, well, Mario Van Peebles' idea. He went to Clint Eastwood and said, well, hey, Clint, what if we try it with the camera down here and we pan up? And they looked at it and said, yeah, let's do it. You know, like Pete basically said that that, that changed the whole dynamic of his entrance by by just making him look so much more massive than the straight shot that they originally had planned. So, so Mario Van Peebles really did do a lot to kind of, like you said, take take a, you know, he's, he's the goofball character that, you know, you learn has a heart of gold and then, you know, kind of. Ends up being a pretty decent Marine. Yeah, yeah, right. He ends up being like the, the go-to guy, but. Well, he
2: really grows up in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. His character goes from being kind of an immature kid to being a responsible Marine who takes care of the guys who he's fighting with. And also realizes that he's not a not a musician. No.
3: <laughs> no, not not at all. <laughs> Although I did I do have some fun with some of his uh songs and, and, and the, the way Recon just all kind of they all seem to know the same lyrics and I think that's what they do on their spare time is they just get together and dance <laughs> and sing, but
0: <laughs> it's a dance it would dance off with the Corman down the uh down the hill from Recon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, one of the things I think what he does by I kind of the what he brings to the role for me is there's that sense of that natural charm and almost that sense of natural leadership that's being squandered early that we get to see developed once he's put through like that chisel, like the the steel you know sharpening steel kind of thing, or iron sharpening iron. And it takes at least would it take that natural charisma and natural leadership that he was using to kind of get everybody to do the wrong things. And now brings him around that you know he becomes one of the guys that you can kind of look up to who who gets it now wants yeah. to do the right things.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's perfect too because we've joked about how he is the ringleader when they're up to no good, and now he's the corporal that they all need when they're when shit gets real, basically.
1: Yeah, right. And and you know you get the sense of that early on when when Webster's trying to get him to all sign a thing about live ammunition being used and stuff, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And everybody kind of followed suit. And I loved it. It's just that little bit. Of, he's same glib, same kind of smart ass. But now he's he's putting it toward the bad guy, not toward Clint Eastwood. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
3: Yeah, because exactly. And, my,
1: and not that he's a bad guy, but toward the, the negative part of the, the of antagonist. The, yes.
3: Well, yeah. It mirrors the scene where Swede gets out of the brig and they go to use Swede to kick Gunny out because it's the same thing. They're all kind of gathered together. He's talking. Mm-hmm. He's talking shit. Hey, you've been voted out of office, baby. And uh, you know, and, and then Swede is there to well attack Gunny in that in that instance. Now, now it's Webster. Same thing. He's he's showing up trying to mess with them. He's like you said. He's the first one that kind of speaks up. Everybody follows suit and they all surround him. And sure enough, Swede walks up and intimidates Webster. Unlike Gunny uh, Gunny Highway or Clint Eastwood, Webster is intimidated and he leaves. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but now, like you said, it's it's used. They've at that point, they're totally on board with highways program at this you know, at then And, yeah. and of course, and now we're seeing it here when, the, you know, they're they're following his lead into combat, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now now we're where the rubber meets the road. I think they all thought and I don't know you guys probably knew this when you were in, in boot camp. Everybody keeps thinking, well, we're in boot camp, blah, blah, blah. But when you get that first call, stand by for ready, get ready to pack, you know. When, when I know I never had to get it, but when these guys get, you know, handed their anticoagulants and everything, they're like, you're online. I know guys start wetting their pants. Cause like, holy crap, this is real. We might actually go into combat. Yep. You know, that's where it becomes real. Yeah, for sure.
3: They, you know, and, and of course we, we joked on, you know, this show where they're, you know, they had they they that re- uh, readiness drill is what I'm trying to say. The drill. Yeah. yeah. And then of course that turned out to be just a drill. Now they're on a, on a ship. <laughs> and he's like, "This is just a drill. This is just a drill, right?" No, because <laughs> no, right? even then they're still trying to be like, "Hey, this isn't real, right?" Because this, because I gotta go. Yeah. Even Stitch says, "I gotta go."
1: <laughs> wow, they really right. won up the realism of these drills, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly,
3: handing they you real ammo
2: and actual grenades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And That's why you're signing this insurance form, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's all a drill they're burning all this fuel they got the helicopters up there yep 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 no this is just yeah we're just playing
2: (laughs) well my my last rabbit trail for the next couple of minutes have y'all talked much about the guy who
3: played webster a little bit here and there um what's his name uh moses Gunn. moses Gunn. that's right yeah
2: so there was a show back in the 90s called homicide life on the street which is still one of my favorite cop shows of all time.
3: Yeah,
2: And he was on the second episode of that show. He played a guy named Tucker who was being accused of killing a little girl in the neighborhood. And it is probably one of the best acting jobs of any TV show in history. Hmm. And if you ever get a chance to see that episode, it's in season one of homicide life on the street. Uh, They have him in the box and they're going at him and it is one of the most intense, powerful, and exhausting scenes you will ever watch on TV. And he plays that part perfectly. So oh, he up. is a really good actor. And
1: ah, so squandered in this movie. Squandered gotcha.
2: Like nobody's <laughs> business in this movie. Because I think the most acting he does is when he kind of
3: shrugs his shoulders and walks out of the
2: barracks. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I
3: would say you say that, but. He, what he does with the with the kiss ass role that he does, I think mm. he's great as that little bureaucratic, you know, kiss <laughs> oh, yeah. ass, uh, you know, try, riding the coattails and uh, of of his major, trying to you know move up the ladder. He's great because he you know he's he's got that he thinks he's better th- you know like he thinks he's better than Eastwood, but Eastwood always gets a line on him and 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 he and it, just the looks he gives. It, yeah. It's, yeah, and he, it's a small role. And he's always the brunt of the jokes, and everybody talks shit to him. But it's like it's like the comeuppance he gets almost every time he opens his mouth. It's outstanding, and just the looks he gives, and <laughs> and just the. And way I know you're absolutely right. He
2: <laughs> thinks he's hooked his wagon to the right.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, he right thinks guy. he's yeah. on the right star, yeah. and he Oops. is absolutely not. So wrong. Again. Wait, hold. Spoiler: We're not at the end of the movie. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, well, there We're may have already been hints towards that. Yeah, <laughs> foreshadow, foreshadow. <Exactly. laughs> by what, whatever do you mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to give spoilers from the movie from nineteen eighty-six. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, chances are you. Well, Warren, what are, what are you doing here listening to this?
3: Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's a minute 115. Pause this really quick, run out, watch the movie, come back, and finish the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you've made it this far. Chances are you've seen this a time or two. <laughs> yeah, there's some,
2: somebody out there is going, who the hell's Webster? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. What? Yeah, that was a
0: great when TV did that show. Little kid, <laughs> I, when, yeah, when did the little kid Webster come in here? there? I thought this was <laughs> the books on tape.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is this uh the 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 movie reading for the blind or we just uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put yeah, put this over the movie instead to see how long it takes to to oh. through the movie. <laughs> That's a strange audio commentary going along. I don't remember that in the movie. Why are these guys talking about their personal life? Yeah, Yeah,
2: and the writer has just given up. I mean, he's he's just... Crying. What are these? <gasps> guys doing yeah. <laughs> just, it started
3: out okay, okay, but a man it isn't meandering. Re-an- <laughs> 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 man, you can't even say the words right either. <laughs>
2: i thought podcasts were supposed to be great (laughs) (laughs) they're
3: supposed to be (laughs) and
2: then you invite us on
3: you're classing up the place are you kidding me (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do you say we dive into this minute a little bit because it's a fun minute so the last couple last week you know perry and i discussed how basically these guys tried to make a a call to uh for an airstrike because they're cut off in this building phone's dead they send stitch jones out you know if jones is a jack of all trades he, he's can hot wire he can he can trace you know telephone wires and and rewire them he gets the phone working he's a swiss army marine <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Duke, duke can do it all yeah. it's jack of all trades master of none you know yeah <laughs> i want to ask you a question
1: about this did either of you because this is an 80s movie have that wallet with the little accordion like spill out of all yes. of your credit cards or oh, pictures yeah. the minute oh, yeah, i saw yeah. that again i am like oh my god that was like my first wallet when i was in middle school i mean yeah. like, what the hell no <laughs> <Dark> crew
3: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah cuz it was a big thing to have like i didn't have a credit card you know, back when this movie came out but <laughs> but you, no, you put all no, your but you stuck all in. your like
1: class pictures yeah. and stuff and oh, family yeah. pictures and, you, yeah. brrr, and let it f- unfold yeah much oh, Mine said bad
0: motherfucker on it.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I remember mine. It was the Velcro 96 Rock, which was the big rock station here in Atlanta. And (laughs) every time you opened it, it just fell out, you know, like the accordion. And I was always thinking, you know, if a girl ever gives me her phone number, it's going in here. But otherwise, I got
3: nothing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, every time Wall opened his envelope, it was just empty little squares, all just in yeah. there yeah. sad looking.
3: Plastic. Yeah. Just pictures that came with the wallet. They
1: came with the wallet. <laughs> He's in, vaults, invented family stories
2: for people that don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Why do you have Linda Ronstadt's picture in your wallet?
3: No, it's my girlfriend. She lives in Canada. You wouldn't know her. She's in Canada.
0: It was a, a time lapse uh, animation of you just getting older from each each grade in class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why do you yeah, have thirty seven like pictures of yourself? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It plays like one of those flip book of animations, you know. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: I remember that bowl
2: haircut like it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: what are you talking about? You had the mullet at this time. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely did
2: at this time.
3: Well, see, I had the mullet, but way after the pe- the time that it was cool, because I was doing it in the 90s. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, guys, where's y'all's mullet? Yeah. <laughs>
2: back in the 80s. Exactly. Yeah, you, you were cosplaying the 80s. <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> Feathered, spiky, and long in the back, and that shit sucked. I
2: hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're friends with me on Facebook, every once in a while, my, my passport picture from 1987 will pop up. And that's my mullet. And oh. <laughs> to, her, to her dying day, my mom hated that picture.
3: <laughs> oh Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had basically, I had a spiked it was spiked hair and mullet in the back, and every time I would go get my hair cut, my dad would be like, today's the day, right?
1: No, dad. I'm
3: not <laughs> touching my hair. And he wouldn't force me, but man, did he, I could tell he didn't like it. Every, t- every time, he'd be like, so you're going to get your hair cut, right? Nah, dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm cool. Damn, I'm cool here. Hippie touch. <laughs> exactly. yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. I remember coming home from, from
2: college one time and my dad saying, "Do they have barber shops in Athens?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why do you ask, Dad? <laughs> well, they don't have barber shops in 2020, at least not for most of it. So we're all yeah, going to no. end no, up with mullets again. At least those who can get hair. <laughs> um, you you know, actually, you know, you made a uh, you know joked about the accordion style uh you know use of the credit cards there so i was looking at the credit card so you know i said stitch jones pulls out his his wallet because he needs they need a credit card in order to call in an airstrike and he's like you know i was (laughs) you know never go to war without my plastic basically (laughs) And and, and i was joking i was like so i'm like i bet you stitch jones has the players club card in there do you guys remember that uh, the oh, Players Club Yeah, Tally yeah I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, uh, I was, I can't, I can't tell what what kind of cards he has. But I looked it up, and I'm like, well, this takes place in '83, and a Players Club card or Players International, as it's known, was not until '84. So I'm like, uh, he, he wouldn't uh. have it. But if it was the right time frame, Stitch Jones definitely would have had the player's club card. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> he definitely would have. And he'd had the Playboy Club card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: well, because I was thinking, I'm like, is, Stitch Jones has mentioned multiple times about being back in New Jersey, watching the Flintstones or getting a beer and hot dogs. And, and so I'm like, well, Atlantic City... You know he's got that that Players Club card. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> he does. He was probably one of the founding customers.
1: Now let me ask you guys this, because he does whip out the you know the plastic because they need it. Is this uh, which which of the three principles of Gunny Highway? Is this adapt, overcome, or improvise that he's bringing to the to the to the table?
3: I think it's all three.
1: He's yeah, doing, I think they're,
3: so. They're improvising by making a phone call. I mean, by they can't make a collect call, so they're going to improvise by using the credit card. They're adapting by adapting to the situation that they can't make the collect <laughs> <laughs> He can't use am. a word to define the word. <laughs> sure, sure I can. <laughs> I just <I'm> did. <laughs>
2: Some <laughs> words just mean what they mean, right? right?
3: <laughs> and, and they overcame because
0: the Shut call goes through. Shut up, you grew. dummy. <laughs> I'm going to go with this predates Marine Corps, adapt, uh, overcome, and improvise. And I'm going to go with Boy Scout, just always be prepared.
1: Yeah, yeah, Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, because who would well, think? I just to wanted because I think card. visually for me, it was almost like a reminder of everything you kept hearing Gunny Highway like that was his mantra. You know, he said it. I don't know what have you counted how many times he said that phrase in the movie? Because it's got to be at least a dozen,
3: it seems like it, but it's not as many times as you think. And and he's he's said it different variations of it though, where it's like, well, he improvised. You know, like it right. just, but yeah, it's probably it's probably yeah, probably half dozen times at least if yeah. he says. It, it
1: feels like it's in there yeah, a lot because every yeah, time yeah. he turns around, it's he's always like, a, adapt, overcome, improvise It's what Marines do. Yeah. It's yeah. always well, in is, is
2: that a Marine Corps mantra, or is that just something for the movie? Well, it uh,
1: yeah, what came first. The if chicken marine, or the egg? Marine
2: shit's
0: <laughs> usually old and broken. So, like. Marine Marine Corps equipment's usually all wore out second hand. Like when we get it, you usually get it either from the Navy or from the Army. So yeah, making you get it, it from one, the Navy.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> best Uber in the world. You know what? Our rifles you know, we may end old, up getting from the Army, but yeah, yeah, most of our ship's you know that's all the old Navy joke. Ship. You know
1: what? That's what Ma- that's what Marine stands for, right? My ass rides in Navy, Navy equipment. equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering that because it does. And I think you're right. I think it is all three. Like they're adapting to the new situation. They don't have a radio. They've got to overcome the obstacle. And then suddenly when they realize we don't have the ability to place the call, they're improvising. Well, use a credit card.
3: Yeah. Well, do do you all know the history of this situation? Yes, I was going to bring that up uh, because there, this did happen in real life. Yes, it did. Now, I have a, I have a friend of mine that was attached to a ranger unit, and he used to tease me that this uh, movie was a bunch of stolen valor, because <laughs> this was something, at least under his impression, and what I always heard was the rangers did this. Uh, and It was an army ranger, they they used a the payphone, credit card, called in an airstrike. Of course, this movie was originally sw- supposed to be f- featuring the army, but it ended up being... About the Marine Corps, so this this is something that carried over. I've done a little research. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say three different stories about it. Yes, um, that
2: that are out there. One is that it was a a SEAL unit that was pinned down. One that it was um, Marine Corps unit, and one that it was a a Ranger unit. So, so, but you know, everybody kind of says yes, it did happen, but nobody's really sure. But you know, there's some guy out there that's got the bill.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, I wish somebody here's would come the thing.
0: out. Yeah, cool ass story. Yeah, he's got he's got the bill and a, a cool ass story. Yeah, story to go with the other that one time that we were absolutely there, and and that'd be. But framed. here's the thing in my mind.
1: Yeah, here's the thing in my mind. It doesn't matter. This movie isn't meant to be a documentary or uh, an actual account moment by moment. It's a kludge together of either archetypes or stories of, of characters like this. Absolutely. I mean, I, I watched a couple of YouTube videos where there's a guy who's got a, a video where he's a, an ex-gunny sergeant who likes to watch movies and they get like his raw reactions and he was pausing this and he kept saying, okay, that never would happen. And then it was like, oh, we all knew a ball buster like this, someone who was in Korea or Vietnam yeah. and they were hard as iron and they were always just ready for a fight and will take you out. So it was cool to hear like, yeah, it's a realistic fiction, but it is a
3: fictional Peace. yeah yeah yeah, for sure and that's fine i mean you draw i mean this is taking place uh i mean there's not a lot of grenada movies let's just say so (laughs) well it was
1: over in the blink of an eye (laughs) exactly right
3: so this is you know this is they're they're drawing from what really happened and it just is this one of the forgotten wars Yeah, well, yes, kind (laughs) of. It's not Korea, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the War
2: of 1812. Did they they get
3: a ribbon? Did did this battle raid a ribbon? (laughs) Right, it's not Dominican 65, as we learned about doing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We were like, Dominican 65, what was that? We had to look it up, and we're like, oh, there was a whole thing in the Dominican Republic that apparently Clint Eastwood was a part of then, too. Uh, (laughs) Or not Clint Eastwood, Gunning Highway. Yeah, I so I found this um, website. It's called WeAreTheMighty.com, dot com. I I check their stuff out often. They they got they write great stuff, and they were talking about the three different or you know the different versions of this, and and it said the Navy SEALs Museum uh, says the caller was a Navy SEALs uh, a Navy SEAL from the Governor's Mansion, and he called Fort Bragg to get an AC one thirty to um to you know o- overhead, and it was to, they and they and that was to protect the SEALs until a group of recon Marines actually you know to tie into our movie. Uh, relieve them, but mm. then there's also a story where it was recounted by Mark uh, Atkins in Urgent Fury: The Battle of Grenada, and it said a U.S. Army trooper, presumably meaning the the paratroopers that you know the, or Rangers. He said it was he called his wife and requested air support from the Navy, and they said that's kind of where uh, James uh, Carbastos, um, the screenwriter of this movie, heard that version, and that's why he incorporated it. After Because it, it was an account from a member of uh, the 82nd Airborne, is where he heard that one, and it was a payphone using a calling card, and they called Fort Bragg. And then there was another, <laughs> it was another one where Dick Cheney, of all people, recalls visiting the island as a congressman, and it was, uh, somebody said, you know, he, he recounted that an Army officer uh, needed artillery support, which is not an airstrike... <laughs> And that right. it, but it's, it's, and then they call it, Fort Bragg seems to be the common <laughs> commonality for this is that they all end up calling mm-hmm. uh, Fort Bragg, but that it was actually in turn, they, they radio, they were able to get in contact with the Navy who then, you know, used their artillery support to, to, to help them. Either way, uh, this is just one little note that they made about this. Communication was basically fucked up <laughs> between yeah, the branches yeah, right. that this, that th- these failures led to a change within the DOD. Cause we had I had read something earlier where like a, a army helicopter couldn't fuel on a naval ship, and it was like well, and a one like I think a marine helicopter crashed, and it was just a mess. So as so successful as this landing and evasion was, and and they completed their goal, there was a lot of lessons that needed to be learned, and so that that you know brought forward some change. But yeah, the fact that they they can't get the story straight, <laughs> and there's like all these different versions of it is is interesting because everybody wants to yeah. have that credit. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, well, and you think about it, where this, this battle or whatever lies in history, we had come out of Vietnam, and from about 75 on, up until this point, the military was pretty malnourished. Uh, they were not spending money like they needed to. They were not upgrading equipment. Uh, the, you know, Jimmy Carter was in office for four years and basically— didn't spend any money on the military, uh, even though he was a World War II vet. And so we get to this point, and all of a sudden it's like, we are not prepared for anything. If anything big happens, we're in deep trouble. Yeah. So it was like they realized at that point, we better jump ahead and, and put some money in into this and get our troops what they need.
3: They, they basically said that this was like the first test of the all-volunteer uh, military for the U.S., because prior to that, yeah. everything was draft. And, and and you know it was a successful test, albeit they had to learn <laughs> to, make, to make some changes for it. And, and and leading up to the invasion of Grenada, nobody was prepared to go to Grenada because they were like, w- "Where the hell's that?" They were all ready to go to Lebanon because of what happened with the Beirut bombing just days before. Yep. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was it was they were ill prepared for this invasion, but it still went off fairly successfully they said they wanted to make a call to Campbell June and i love the the secretary or the the operator are you for bo- real yeah, that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now yeah, I,
1: she- well first of all i wanted to know would anybody like in any of our gen zers have any idea what they're looking at from about second 19 on these women working where they're actually patching in signals from one side of a circuit uh, a telephone circuit to another
0: They may if they live at Camp Lejeune today.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Or they've ever visited the White House switchboard. Yeah, Yeah, I think Lily Tomlin's working there still, you know.
1: (laughs) One (laughs) ringy dingy. Yeah. Well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. I always think about that when I look at movies that are a little dated with some of the scenes because i'm like this, this is this is non-existent now i think people are like what
3: the hell is this yeah, yeah i mean they're literally patch me through <laughs> literally right, exactly <laughs> what they mean patch me through that's exactly yeah. it i mean this is one step above like when my grandfather would be like hey flo get off the party line i got to make a call you know <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> well my great grandfather used to answer the phone okay and we never really could figure out what that was but the best guess was he could hear you. So okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> I can hear you. Go ahead and start whatever stupidity you got going. <laughs> right. it, it wasn't hoy hoy.
3: <laughs> the 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 operator that we get on here, she, she's been in a ton of things. This is um Annie O'Donnell. She looks and familiar. She's been in a bunch of things, but the thing the, the thing that she really stands out to me is she was um June Wheeler on Night Court. She was. Oh you know, yeah. There was a uh, Bob and June Wheeler, and and Bob Wheeler was uh, Brent Spiner from Data. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And they were that <laughs> yeah. crazy redneck
1: hillbilly yeah. couple. Yeah, and they were. Yeah, the
3: hillbilly couple. Yeah, they were they had a reoccurring role. They would show up every once in a while, and <laughs> she was the wife. Holy <laughs> cow! <laughs> but she's been on everything, and uh, like I, I guess one of her um, you know bigger roles was uh, she was in Big Love as one of the sister wives, um, which I've never oh, seen yeah. that show, but. When I when you see her face on IMDB, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally recognize her as an older woman, and she's literally been in pretty much everything. <laughs> I think she was the <laughs> mom in Blast from the Past. And um just uh, Oh my
2: gosh, she was on the X Files. Yeah.
3: I mean Big Bang Theory, but she was she was on uh, like there you go, um ER. She you know, like 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 pretty much name a show in the eighties and nineties, and she made an appearance on it. <laughs> yeah, she was on <laughs> NYPD yeah. blues. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Doogie Hauser? <laughs> my gosh. When I saw it, I was like, man, this lady's familiar. I know her from somewhere. And I saw June Wheeler, I'm that's it. <laughs> oh corner. my
2: gosh. She was Gussie Peabody on the Dukes of
3: Hazard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, now yeah. you got Walt hooked. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> Atlanta. When she was in Hot Shots, she was the Asian woman. I am mean, Asian woman. Oh, she was yeah. Amish woman. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a stretch for her, but okay. That would be cultural appropriation. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: Welcome to 2020. Yeah, man. Well I, well, I just can't read, so you can't blame me. <laughs>
2: wow. Well, she has 113 credits, so she's definitely been a working actress. Yeah.
3: All the, Actually, she was in... Um, she was in another Eastwood movie, Jersey Boys. She's the nun in Jersey Boys, and that that was a Clint Eastwood movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the the Frankie Valli, Frankie yeah. Man, that's an uh, old one. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was directed by Clint Eastwood. Yep, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, but I don't think it's old.
3: Nah. Let's Is see. it? 2014.
1: 14. Uh, yeah, it's like
3: six years ago. Wow. Well, well it feels you know, like a hundred. You know, after this year, though. <laughs> and when you're my age, I mean, time just starts <laughs> to get warped and wobbled. So. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they call in an airstrike. Basically, they're not sure if it goes if it goes off. Uh, if, if the call the call goes dead after Lieutenant Ring is calling in the, the airstrike, the coordinates. What I think is funny is Boyd Gaines, who plays Lieutenant Ring, is, does a really good job of uh, portraying a boot lieutenant. But the fact that he's going, he's saying six six zero 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 seven one one zero. There's no O in the Marine Corps. There's only zeros. There's no O. There's no right. The Marine, and that stood out to me. It's such a little thing. And I'm like, hmm. no, he's no. There's no such thing as a, a number O. There is a number zero. <laughs>
2: That's funny. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it's just it's catch.
3: just one of those little things that just like stands out. Kogo's dead. Here we go. We're gonna get. Imp- hey, we gotta improvise. <laughs> uh, Gunny's gonna go out and mark mark the spot that they need the airstrike for. And you know, Boy Gaines or Lieutenant Ring is saying, hey, Well, we don't know what went through. Well, sir, we have to improvise. And and as Perry said uh, at the beginning. Gunny goes and bees her- Gunny goes in and, 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 and into heroic mode, basically. <laughs> He's heading yeah. out. This is one this is one Gunny Highway that's going out the front door.
2: Well, one thing I really like about this scene is Lieutenant Ring also grows up a lot in these few minutes around. Um Well, yeah, I was invasion. gonna say it's not
1: even just this scene, it's the whole movie. Yeah. Uh he yeah. also it's like everybody that's that buys into Gunny becomes better as a result of it. Yeah, yeah
2: they do. And and I love that when he the first time we see him, he is, uh, he's a naval academy graduate, right? And he's headed to some class, and yeah. he says, "Well, where did you go to college?" And he says, "Heartbreak Ridge." And he's, "Oh, well, where's that?" You know, he, yeah, he doesn't my, even
1: conceive you know, of
2: what that really means. Yeah, uh,
1: and then <laughs> well, man, that goes back to what you were
2: of sa- actually making good combat decisions.
1: That goes back to what you were saying, Walt, about this time in the military. Here's this kid, basically out of war college. He's got theory. No practice. He's never been in a situation where he's had to actually command anything. One of the things that I've always heard my dad saying when he was career military is any any lieutenant, the first thing they do is they better find a good sergeant.
2: Yeah. 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 You know, my dad has a couple of great stories about that because he was a lieutenant um, going through tank school and he had a old grizzled Korean War vet sergeant uh, in their unit. And he said, Murray, do not. Take the tank down the road to the right, but you gotta get the tank back to the thing. So Lieutenant, I'm telling you, you gotta haul ass, you gotta get down this road, but do not go to the right. I know that's a shortcut. Well, my dad, being who he is, goes right, (laughs) goes right into the woods and sinks the tank. Oh no. uh, (laughs) And he said the sergeant comes up on the tank behind him and he's just shaking his head and he said Lieutenant, I wish for one minute you were a corporal.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little, yeah, the officer can get away with it a little bit more than uh, <laughs> us peons, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, one of one of my favorite things is uh, when we were, you know, at, we were at Cherry Point, Perry and I, and we had a we had we had two boot lieutenants, but one guy was more even tempered he 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 was smart he learned but he, you know he, he was in command he was a good guy but he you know he he took advice from those above him and then we had this other guy who was like a little butter bars and he was yeah he was getting i'm in charge now and <laughs> long story short he was flipping out about something and, and and this is just a funny little thing where uh he just want, he wanted satisfaction and he, read, he ran to daddy, and he went to the major and was complaining to the major. And the major just gave one look at him and said, uh, Lieutenant, I'm pretty sure staff sergeant could take care of this. And just, like, dismissed him and walked <laughs> out there. He's like, just let the the, the, NCO, the staff NCOs handle this shit. And it just calm down, basically. And it was just, yeah, just exactly. perfect the way he said it. Just simmer down. You simmer down now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you kind of have to. No matter what it is, you got to learn what's important, and you kind of got to learn your place. So, yeah,
3: everything
0: has its place in the military. Yeah, for a reason. Sometimes it's not a good reason,
1: but there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a uh, family friend go through. He was a marine, but he he was an officer. He was a pilot, and he went through an officer candidate school and. And so before I joined, I was already signed up. But he came to visit me, and he was just like, "Hey, just like Perry said, said they do everything for a reason." And, and it's kind of like that old, you know, Bill Cosby joke, or it's like it intensifies your personality. But it's like, yeah, but yes, what if you're an asshole? It's well, like, if what you're if you're an asshole? Yeah, they have these reasons, <laughs> but is it a good reason? Because <laughs> you know? I remember being in boot camp, trying to remember that, and I'm like. No, seriously, I don't think these guys have a reason right now. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) They're arguing with each other, and they're trying to present like they know what they're doing, but they're literally fighting. (laughs) I I think I was fed a little bit of lies here. (laughs) This is some bullshit. This is the propaganda (laughs) machine in action. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Leave it to an officer. (laughs) Well, you know what? I been I wanted should have mentioned this up front. And I wanted to say this to you guys. Uh you guys are partly responsible for the podcast that we're doing, the format and the way we're doing it. I I actually borrowed your your concept of how you do the Wilder ride and you're doing the movies of Gene Wilder. And I, and I was like, "I what kind of movie should we do? You know, what kind of series?" And I couldn't really think of one. <laughs> uh but I wanted to incorporate the Marine Corps somehow, and that's where I got I kind of borrowed the idea of well, instead of doing a series how about a series of a certain type of movie so oh it's awesome yeah so i I, you know i hope you guys don't mind i appreciate the inspiration oh my gosh well when y'all announced (laughs)
2: what you were doing i was like that is genius that is going to be a great series because there's so many good movies and having it come from marines where y'all can be like no that's crap or yes that's absolutely you know i was like i'm in i'm i'm Uh, gonna have to listen to this
1: no, I think it's great because it gives you the latitude. That's, that's kind of what we went into it with, thinking all the cool. First of all, all the cool series we're taking. Yeah. So the, exactly. the second thing was right. well, All the well, cool we both series it was right after podcast about her. Yeah. <laughs> so after Gene Wilder died, I said, you know, that'd be kind of neat to look at his movies. And Walt was like, Oh, I'm there. Let's do Young Frankenstein. So that kind of we were we were you know in with that. And it's I think it's been pretty well received this year. Our movie fell apart a little bit because of 2020 and some other challenges at the beginning of the year, but we always had an idea to put on a side podcast where it was more of a talk show because we've met so many really cool people and you don't get a chance to necessarily interview your guests. Your guests are there to help analyze the movie minute. So we wanted to always have kind of a second show. And so at least the one positive out of this season for us is we were able to at least focus on developing the talk show side. So that's been cool.
3: You know, I've listened to several of those, and I, I, I like that format. It, it's, it's something different. And it, like you said, it's nice to, to actually uh, get to know some of the people a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, but, yeah. Cool. Just, thank I you. I wanted to publicly thank you guys for the inspiration. Yeah, motherfucker. Well, you just, you just told welcome. them that they,
0: they're entitled to half our,
3: our profits.
0: <laughs> no, because oh, they <laughs> came from there, you dickhead. I have my fingers
3: crossed. They fucking they didn't see that. They're fine. If we ever make if, if
0: we ever make any money, we'll we'll put the check in the mail.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they'll get they'll get their little yeah. stipend. It'll be like you know ten cents here and there. Oh yeah, rate. it'll be like it'll <laughs> be like those wow. little
0: lawyer checks that you get. Like hey, yeah, you're part of the class action. Shoot, here's your two dollars and
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, look. We, we well that'll go. be two dollars more than we've got. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah just
0: get ripped up. I'm not even to burn the gas to go deposit that piece of shit. <laughs>
1: hey can you just venmo that over
2: (laughs) fuck that lawyer (laughs) well for us we're we're just happy that for once we inspired somebody to do something
3: positive (laughs) are you you sure normally we're the example like
2: don't do it
0: that (laughs) way
3: Okay, comparatively
2: positive
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what that's a good that's a good point billy good point we got the inspiration from them. If any, if we get blamed for anything, we can just point them back to these guys. Yeah,
2: everybody else <laughs> does,
1: but why? Yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> your idea, siblings. That didn't take long at all. The <laughs> federal government.
2: Yeah. Everybody blames us for shit.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: So do we blame you for COVID then or what's up?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sure. What the hell?
3: Might no, well. we don't want to take you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's opening up a, a door you don't want to open. <laughs> right.
2: Well, Alan and I both joke about this, but there's a lot of truth to it. He's got four daughters and I've got three. And so we're, you know, we both of us have been married um, for decades so we're used to being blamed for shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he goes. He pauses.
3: Decades. <laughs> like, bro, long long ass time. <sighs> <sighs> It's okay, guys. It's, it's safe here. Yeah. You're not it's, to be blamed for. I'm I'm, for any attorney
2: who may be subpoenaing this, I'm playing a character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Walt is playing a character. He doesn't really believe anything right. he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. know. I've gotten used to a long time ago that I will never be right about anything and everything is always my fault. So that's fine.
3: Again, I'm seeing a lot of commonality in all this. <laughs> <laughs> this, this sounds familiar. It's like, it's
1: like looking in some strange mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like. like Like two different versions of Rick and Morty. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, about this, minute, what do you say we guys, uh, we wrap up this minute and go find out, uh, can you come back on Wednesday?
1: Yeah, (laughs) sure. Hump day is a good day for me. I got nothing else going on. I never, it never lives up to that with me anymore.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, before we go, why don't you guys uh, plug away?
1: All right, I'll uh, I'll just I'll start. Uh, I usually pitch to Walt on this anyway, but uh, we are uh, the hosts of the Wilder Ride, where we are looking at the movies of Gene Wilder, one minute of a movie at a time. We did Young Frankenstein in season one. We did Blazing Saddles in season two. We started our pre-production on Silver Streak for season three when some virus from China decided to put you know everything on its on its heels. So we started a side show under the same name called the Wilder Ride Listener's Lounge where each week we at least uh, spend about an hour and a half to two hours with what we think would be a cool and interesting guest. We have some segments. uh, We look at some odd news. We look at entertainment. So we try to keep it fun, informative, but also light. Uh, We don't try to get anything too heavy. We want to keep the audience happy, maybe learn a little something, and at the very end of the day, maybe take their mind off of their other problems while they've been listening. So that's kind of the podcast. Walt, why don't you let everybody know how they can find us?
2: Yeah, the easiest way to find us is on Facebook, facebook.com slash ride, And uh, then we have a listeners group. So if you follow us, that button will pop up to join our listeners group. And that's all just entertainment and, you know, no news, no craziness, just, uh, you know, entertainment and some stuff about the show. So uh, that's about it for us.
3: Excellent, guys. Thanks again. And thanks for coming. Um, We'll keep our plugs light today and just say, join us on the quarterdeck Facebook page as our listeners group. And other than that, um, I hope you guys can, you know, everybody joins us on Wednesday for minute 116. And, guys, I never podcast without my plastic. This Craig joined. Yeah, I sent it twice.
0: Oh, there we go. Just, they both came through at the same time.
3: Oh, okay. So the there problem's you. <laughs> <laughs> Cox,
1: I feel like that moment in Blazing Saddles the governor and uh, Hedley are looking at you like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a
3: harump out of you. Um, <laughs>